All right, welcome everyone to another episode of Behind the Human. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game, personally and professionally. Today, we've got Chris Jarvis on the show, corporate coach, financial fixer, and stirring speaker. He helps you see differently so you can business differently, money differently, life differently. Before creating Go Wild, Chris was an applied mathematician who honed his entrepreneurial skills by solving complicated financial problems for thousands of millionaires and even a few billionaires. And he, just even the last few minutes we've been talking before hitting record, he's just an you know, an interesting human that I can't wait to get into conversation with. There's so many different angles in the past we could probably take this conversation that as a curious person myself, I can't wait to dive in. So Chris, welcome to the show. Mark, thank you so much for having me and for reading the bio just as my mother wrote it. So <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's funny. Before we get into some of the elements of the bio and some of the topics we've, we've already, been, already been discussing, um, uh, there's one question I want to ask you to just to, to, to avoid some of the titles and whatnot. And that's just, who are you? Who am I? Uh, a father, a husband, a son, um, a human. Um, I'm somebody who likes to solve. Uh, I was given a lot of gifts and I'm greatly appreciative for the ones that I have. And I have this weird EQ, IQ balance. I was a mathematician, but I read people well. Um and just given a lot of tools and I've had a chance to as a kid I loved puzzles and I you know whether it was working on a Rubik's Cube or it was taking my toys apart or it was uh, you know undressing superheroes and redressing them in other costumes <laughs> like there was there was always yeah. a sense of how do things work what's going on what's going on underneath or inside so probably just a, a lot of curiosity uh, probably yeah. drove my parents absolutely nuts with all the questions and as a result of asking a lot of questions and paying attention to the answers, I, um, you know, that's, that's been a huge part of my life is asking a ton of questions and, and really paying attention to the answers and probably even more importantly, asking follow-up questions. So not sure. just taking things at face value, but okay, but why, but, you know, again, drove my parents absolutely nuts with, but why, but why? And then it would eventually get to, because I told you so you little bastard, go to bed, you know, like that's how, you know, <laughs> that's, how, that's, that's how the right straight question. Parenting. <laughs> yeah. So you're at that stage with, with the young kids and, um, you know, so which, which you should appreciate because I have, I have th three teenagers. So any interaction is, um, you know, <laughs> other than I need money and why not more. Yeah. Uh, you know, would be, you know, is greatly appreciated. But that, you know, I asked a lot of questions. And as I said, the the listening, uh, the listening to the answers and paying attention, you know, that's sure. You know, you, it, 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 you know, so I'm probably just an inquisitive person who loves to solve problems. And I love to find connections between different people. I'm also, you know, my whole Be the Giraffe series and Giraffe Money and all the all the TED Talks and all that good stuff. Um, if everybody's doing, everybody's going left, I want to go right. If everybody's going up, I'm going down. If everybody's, you know, going to zag, I'm going to zig. And so I, I, disruption is a big, I find great joy in participating in anything that could be disruptive and, okay. you know, trying to help people consider other things and Again, which I'm sure made other people, teachers, coaches, other people completely insane with me. But um, where yeah, did so that come from? Like, where, who, who, was there some, were, were there influences in your, your early life that I guess gave you that psychological safety or comfort to go the other way when, you know, people were going this direction or so forth? Like, you know, how, how did that, how did that show up earlier in your life? Well, I, I don't know if there was comfort or safety with it. It was a, um, <laughs> I wouldn't say there was, uh, no, I, my parents got divorced when I was young. I changed schools. I got beat up every day in fifth and sixth grade. Like that sucked. It wasn't like, there was no safety or comfort of being the new kid. It was probably just uh, familiarity or maybe that was the case. Maybe because I survived the fifth and sixth grade, the oldest kid, all the responsibility, the you know, embarrassment of going to this new school, getting beat up and bullied and all that. You know, maybe I got mm. through that and then it was, well, how much worse can it be than that? You know, like dad's not sure. here. I wish, I wish my parents were together. So that, that probably prompted the, I think the parents being apart probably prompted that emotional reading people and what's going on and how do you deal with all that? The, yeah. the, 
and and always trying to find a way to make people connect because you saw, you know, nobody nobody wants to see their parents get divorced. And I know that's the case for most, you know, half the people listening probably, but it's how do you get, how do you get them to have positive conversations or what does that look like? And um, again, as the oldest kid, I probably shouldn't have taken responsibility, but I'm sure I did internalize it. And I was always trying to find ways to bridge that gap. So that's the, your, you know, proof by exhaustion, I guess, for the math yeah, reference. That's, um, well, that's the, yeah, that's the problem solver, you know. Yeah, it's, it's trying to you. solve the, yeah, it's trying to solve the unsolvable, the impossible, which, which I never did solve, by the way. But um, it's, uh, yeah, so maybe, maybe I just, I just suffered through something that at some point you survive something. So you realize, all right, change, it happens. And yeah, and some of it is, I think some of it is genetic and, and I just, I didn't have a problem with, uh, you know, maybe being different or maybe I tried to do it for attention because, you know, it could have been, it could have been for the wrong reason, but it ended up working out to be the right thing because sure. I found a shift when I got, I got further along. Um, my dad had played professional baseball, which that's the one in a million, one in 10 million thing. So he probably taught, you know, seeing that was, oh, the impossible is possible because I've seen it happen with the guy who walks around in his underwear. You know, like it just, you have that, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, you just think it's going to be okay or that you can, you can do anything, which is a blessing and a curse. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, we all have, what are those stories we tell ourselves? We, you know, we rethink, you can be a victim or you can be lucky in your choice. And, um, you know, I suffered through decades of therapy and all kinds of other stuff, but somewhere in my life, I, you know, I found a way to piece it all together. And, uh, yeah. as tricky as the twenties and thirties were, um, you know, forties and fifties have been pretty good. Yeah. Well, I, you know, just to set some context, this isn't, uh, a child psychology podcast or anything like that. I mean, yeah, but I'm always It, it, it wasn't just, until today. So, so, <laughs> here, sudden, so exactly. everybody strap yourselves in. We said it was going to be funny, but we're going to get to some seriously. No, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, but I'm always curious just to see, you know, like some of these past experiences and when, when we start unpacking the stories and whatnot, and then the work that you're doing, and especially the work that lights you up, there's usually some really interesting links. And, and you know, it, it seems like, it just seems like the experiences that you went through prepared your mind, uh, whether whether you knew it or not uh, at the time, for a lot of what you're doing now, right? And like kind of built out some, sure. some mental resiliency and so forth and carried on that like problem solver mentality, uh, obviously first in the financial experience that you were doing uh, or financial world and insurance and, and all of that. Uh, and then definitely now as well, when you're, you know, with everything you're doing with uh, like the draft series and then working with entrepreneurs and businesses and whatnot. So why don't you just paint a little bit, uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of history there, but a bit of a high level view of your your path so far and, and kind of how you got to where you're at right now. Yeah, I'll try to go fast. It's um, like like a lot of people, you you originally gravitate to the things that you do well because everybody wants to be successful, right? You don't, if you, if you were great at, you know, if you were great at basketball and you sucked at the flute, you probably didn't spend a lot of time in band, right? You'd go do the thing sure. where you're better and that's a way for people to like you. And so I was, I was a pretty good athlete and, but I was always great in math. And so I went to college to be an engineer and eventually majored in math, was an actuary and thought, all right, my, my aspirations are not to be a president of an insurance company. That sounds painfully boring. So I applied to business school. I got into UCLA. I went out there only to find, you know, thinking I was going to go become a strategy consultant or, you know, work on Wall Street or something else. And then I get there and find out with my Myers-Briggs that I'm infinitely unemployable. And it was like, oh, <laughs> great. So That's now great. that I've, now that I've <laughs> given up my relatively, you know, at the time making 70, 80 grand, whatever I was making as a 25 year old, which was pretty good back, you know, a hundred years ago. Um, and on a path to do really, you know, do really well, I was like, okay, shit. Now I've taken out all these loans. I've gone back to school. I quit my career. I, and now I, and now these jobs that this school is going to prepare me for are things that I'm not going to be good at. Uh, uh oh. So then I happened to meet somebody who started a business and we started working on some stuff. Next thing you know, we become partners. Um, it happened to be in the, healthcare space, working with doctors, solving their financial problems, solving their legal problems. Then it moved up to business owners. Then it moved up to really wealthy families. You know, fast forward 
through the next 20 years and I've written 17 books and I've spoken at, I've done thousands of seminars and I've you know, made, had multiple years where I made over a million dollars. I've had tons, you know, I yeah. shouldn't say countless, but more than a dozen years where I made more than a half million dollars. Um, handling financial problems, business building, tax stuff, things for really solving problems for business owners. And it wasn't because taxes aren't interesting and insurance isn't interesting and investing is not interesting, but solving the business problem. And you know, people who want to save taxes make a lot of money. People make a lot of money, do a lot of wacky shit. I mean, that's just yeah. that's just yeah. the line that I it's in a lot of my books and talks in exactly that order. And so I have a PhD in wacky shit. And yeah. when you realize people who were super successful, they all did wacky things. They didn't just show up early. It wasn't just please and thank you. It wasn't just, mm -hmm. there was something weird about their model. The product was odd. The service was off. The distribution channel was kind of wonky. They played in a space nobody played in. The, every super successful person has one really weird piece to their business. How they source it, how they distribute it, how they make it, how they service it, how they yeah. find people. There's something. Well, and they so, must be asking different questions too, I imagine. Well, yeah, well, right? the, the biggest question is why not? And that's, I yeah. had a mentor in business school, Hunt Ramsbottom, who had taken a couple companies public. He had done roll-ups, which a roll-up is you buy, you start buying a bunch of companies in an industry, package them together, and then sell it as a big as a big entity. And he said with a roll-up, if I buy 100 companies and for a million dollars, at the end, if they're only worth $100 million, I didn't make any money. And if I'm going to do this for years and I'm going to take the investor's money, they're going to expect to double their money. So if I'm going to spend $100 million, I need to create an entity that's worth $300 million so I can give the investors their, you know, give them the 200 they want. And I have 100 for all the hard work that my team and I put together and what we did over the sure. period of time. And so he said, if I only bring in people from the same industries, they're going to keep telling me how everything has always been done and we're never going to do anything differently. So he taught me, this is back in 97, to bring in people from other industries to, to question why not. So if you're going to be in an automotive industry, find people from food and beverage, find people from farming, find people yeah. from gaming, find people from import, export or shipping, find people from financial worlds, find like find different people to give you different ideas. And so that really stuck with me in yeah. that successful, really successful people do things differently and that's the only way to be successful. So for me, with my you know, the questions I'm asking with any company I'm working with is, how are you doing it? Why are you doing it? Who are you doing it for? How else could you be doing it? You know, really, it's, it gets to questions of what else, you know, what else don't you know? Or, you know, or famously, I'll ask you, is it possible? And mm -hmm. then is it possible you don't understand your client? Is it possible you're doing it the wrong way? Is it possible the people aren't happy with the way you're doing it? And just having my favorite moment in any seminar, keynote, whatever I'm doing is, or even on a Zoom is when somebody's head tilts. Literally, they say, what are you going for? Do you want the applause? Like, no, I want the gaping mouth open head tilt. Someone, something yeah, just landed yeah. with somebody where they go, huh. And if I see the head tilt sure. and the mouth open, I know that I've reached, that I've said something that caused someone to think about something differently, which is the beginning of all change starts with a thought. Yeah. And whether yeah. it's change in your health or change in your physical health, mental health, financial health, relationship health, it all has to start with a moment of maybe I'm wrong or maybe something else will be more right. And that's, mm. and so for me, I like that. It's not the power of manipulating people. It's just the, somehow I was able to say something that caused someone to stop and give a thought about something. And if I can do that, because I don't know your life, I don't know your business, I don't know the you know millions of people, whoever else is listening. Like, I don't know, I can't know everybody's life and I don't presume to know the answers. But if you're listening, there's something that's not working. And so hopefully the time today, something that we talk about gets somebody to stop and say, oh, this is yeah. a thing I want to be different. What, is it possible? Some, some way I'm looking at this, some way I'm approaching it, some way isn't right. And can I just stop and peek at one or two or three pieces of my approach and just ask myself, is there another way? And if they do, then they're one step closer to you know, positive change. Hello, friends. Given you're here, I'm making the assumption that you're motivated to be mentally fit. 
So with that in mind, I want to let you know about the Better Questions newsletter, which publishes once or twice a month, providing all of us the opportunity to slow down, think, and ask better questions. As you know, quality questions are my thing, and this is an opportunity to share the prompts I've studied and curated to help our minds be healthier, clearer, more intentional, and expand our mental capacity. You can sign up over at BehindTheHuman.com slash newsletter, which will also give you a preview of my debut book, Personal Socrates. That's BehindTheHuman.com slash newsletter. Now back to the show. Well, on on the note or the 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 concept of of a stop i mean there's i mean you painted a nice picture of of i guess you almost like your past life and some of those those past businesses that you were involved with and things you know for sure on the outside and it seems like internally as well we're going quite quite well especially financially and and in terms of helping others and whatnot but you said something uh i think this was in a an interview where uh jack canfield was was asking you questions and you said, you said this, you said, I felt like I built a prison and shut the door with me in it. So I'm curious. Cause then, I, then, you know, just for the listeners, you went off to set up that business to be sellable and, you know, exited that, that realm. And, and from my understanding went into the, the work that you're doing now, but I'm curious, how did you get to that, that stopping point? Like, and what were the questions that, mm you know, got you to the point of, you know what, it does feel like I'm in, in a prison and something needs to change. Right. Yeah. I've been on, I've been on a couple of Jack shows and I was his VP of strategic partnerships at one point. We were working on some interesting projects together and did some writing stuff together. And, um, that was the second time he had me on, I think it was talking about success and, He's like, oh, it's happened since the last time I saw you. You sold your company. Why did you do that? And that's when I that's when I did say I felt like I, I think the quote is I felt like I built the perfect prison. And then I slammed the gate shut only to find that I was on the inside. And yeah. for people listening, it's the you you may feel that you're too successful to change, or you're making too much money to leave a job you hate, or you're too well. It, you know, you're too well respected by your parents or your in-laws or your people to leave a marriage you're not happy in or what, whatever the thing is, like something's going well in somebody's, so well in somebody's eyes that you feel that their opinion is worth more than yours. And mm-hmm. I felt like I had built this, well, not, I had built a company that was so reliant on me and all these mm-hmm. clients were reliant on me to solve these ongoing risk management, tax, business problems. And it was hell. I mean, there was a lot of regulation and a lot of, it just, I did, I was feeling, I feel like it was killing me physically. I was running into some physical health issues and all manifesting stuff, back surgery, Achilles surgery, um, Mm. you know, things that actually all happened to be on the same meridian, you know, which all the way led into mercury fillings in my teeth and shoulder injury. And it was just, wow, you know, five or six major injuries all on the same meridian, all tied to, you know, mercury poisoning in my mouth, but, um, but the stress of the wow. job wasn't helping me either. And yeah. I just realized this isn't what I want to do. I have bigger aspirations. I have, I wanted to do something else. And so some of it was, um, I, I, I will, many people have heard me say, uh, life gives us subtle hints. And when we don't take them, they become much less subtle. And so I feel like life is going to guide us, whether it's universe, God, or whatever you believe it to be, that they start really subtle. But if you don't take them, they, trust me, the, the clues will become far less subtle, whether it's, you know, a friend of mine had brain cancer, another friend of mine had a heart attack. I mean, things just, at some point, the body is going to manifest, whether you read the emotion code or, you know, whatever you buy into, just the idea that how you feel, how you think, and the people around you can impact your health. I don't think that's much of a stretch to accept that much yeah. and how much we can argue. But the idea that the things we put ourselves through are are manifesting in our physical, you know, in our physical health and our mental health. I, again, I don't, I don't think there's anything to dispute there. So for me, I just mm-hmm. wasn't, I was getting older and I was getting hurt physically, injured, doing things I used to love. So sports was my escape. And then all of a sudden, yeah, maybe that was part of a sign too. Sports was my escape. And then I got hurt to the point where I couldn't do the sports. And then I didn't have a choice. So then I didn't have an escape. So I had to live in my own 
you know, pile of shit that I created for myself. Yeah. And then I realized, uh, this isn't, this isn't going so well. And so yeah. on the outside, again, making a lot of money and people who worked with me really enjoyed it, but it was just not, it just wasn't working. So I went through that, you know, went through that process of let me try and sell this, get out from the stress of having investors and having employees and all this other stuff. And I sold the company and, um, and it was a multi-million dollar sale and which was, you know, good for the investors and good for me. And, um, you know, only to sell it to people who then didn't pay me in full. And I had to go to court and spend, you know, almost a million dollars in legal fees to try and get my money back. And I got some of it back and not all of it. And I'm still chasing other parts of it. I mean, it's just sure. like, it was like, I tried to, I get rid of one problem and I found another one, but, uh, yeah. but I had that moment and I had the financial freedom to say, what do I want to do? And yeah, well, that's so, what I wanted to ask you about. Like, what were what were some of the practices and questions and whatnot? Like, yeah. in in the thick of it, that helped you get clear on what you, you know, what you did want there, to do. There were a few different questions that, if I was taking a cross section of, of, um, if I'm looking at this like a big, you know, uh, now the, the mathematician is going to try and use a, uh, you know, biology reference, and I'm going to blow blow it up terribly. But if you take cross sections of the cell. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't just yes or no. I was looking at what do I like? What do I really like to do? And so for me, it was I like the solving problems. I do like consulting with people. I love the speaking and writing. And I like the teaching moment of giving people information and discovering some solution, sharing it and watching that blossom in somebody. You know, so the whole teaching, consulting, writing, speaking, I knew I enjoyed all of that. But I like and I like solving problems that when there's a problem somebody else can't solve, the ego in me loves to be the guy brought in to say, we couldn't solve this. What do yeah. you, like, I love the, you know, don't bring me a problem. Oh, I, I don't want to, I don't, like, my wife and I have a problem with her. She just wants to vent something. My thing is, you know how my brain works. So I think your friend Mary would love to hear this conversation because I don't want, don't vent a problem to me because it's going to get my wheels spinning on the solution. And then if you tell me I can't yeah, yeah. solve it, then you just, you know, you, you're giving me a disease and telling me I can't, I can't get the, uh, you know, antibiotic. And yeah. so, so some of it was, I, I knew I liked that thing. Then it was, who are the people I like working with? And after a lot of questions, it became business owners, founders of companies, people who think differently, people who are happy to do things differently and aren't trying to fit in. Like that was my crowd. And I learned that entrepreneurs are my... I hit it off with them morning, noon, and night, and their lives are super complicated with their personal lives and their business lives. And, yeah. um, you know, so it was a lot of what do you like doing? What kinds of problems do you like solving? Um, you know, I, I had some moments where I took, I went way too far toward the transformational stuff and was, you know, I had a, a younger sister, transgender, who d died prematurely, wasn't taken care of very well by the health you know, by the health uh, care industry and over-medicated to the point where she died way too young in her early 40s. And there was a lot of guilt with that. And mm. it was okay. I was given all these guilt and I was, you know, I was born, you know, I'm a six foot three white guy in America in the 21st century. Like it doesn't get any easier, right? Like I just, you know, it's, yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean my life was easy, but it means if you took all of those things, then my life is relatively easy compared to people who have other challenges who, whether it's gender or race or, Sure. You know, whatever it might be. And so I I felt a great deal of guilt and then felt obligated to try and change the world. And so I went out and started doing a lot of teaching and building courses and trying to do everything I could. Um, and then and then eventually shed that guilt and moved on to, okay, it's not my responsibility to fix everybody's stuff. So I you know, like many people, there's a little overcorrection when you're a little too far one way, you go the other. Yeah. And then I got to where I am now, which is I really love the I love the business building, I love the financial fixing. Um, provided it's leading to something that's much more tangible, that's you know a better life, a impactful business, a creating new jobs. A, you know, I, I like everybody. It's a you know, there's this whole zigzag approach of slightly get off course, overcorrect too much, which is very natural, and then be able to come back and realize that you probably like this whole overcorrection thing you're probably not pointing in the direction of true north very much at all. I mean, you're it's a series of getting off track or or slightly having having a slightly off, you know, read of what you think you want 
and then there's and then there's getting off track a little and being distracted. Then there's overcorrection, and then there's back. So you're really zigzagging all over the place. And if you're mm-hmm. going from Boston or from Toronto to um, Vancouver, you know it's it's pretty much west. But you might find yourself going northwest, and then you're going southwest, and then you're going northwest, and then you're going. Like, you're never really going west, yeah. but you eventually get there as long as you keep, you know, keep pressing on. Well, what are you doing to check in with yourself? Because it sounds like, it seems like you're quite, there isn't a level of self-awareness that seems to be present with you that, yeah, you, you know, I, I've overcorrected or whatever, whatever it is versus a lot of people, you know, myself included, we fall into this, but you fall into this like autopilot mode, sure. right? And um, without those check-ins in some capacity, like that's when it gets really, uh, that's when you hit these walls. It's like, how did I get here? You know, like what, right. what, what, what led up oh, to you this? Chase, you chase things and well, that's the whole question. So I asked, there's a couple of things. If I, if I teach a lesson, like it'll, it'll happen as soon as we get off. So I'm going to give a few pieces of advice to the audience, or I'm going to share some things for people to consider. And then I'm going to sit when this is done, or I'm not going to be able to, well, I may be at lunch with my in-laws and it'll hit me that, I just gave a piece of advice that you thought I should repeat. And then I realize I'm not living that. And I think, uh oh, I got to do what? I got two choices. One, okay, stop, stop giving the advice that you're not taking. So you're not a hypocrite because I don't want to be that. Or take the damn advice, you know, and yeah. not, not the, hey, here's some great advice. I'm not using it. You use it. Um, so for me, a lot of it is, I don't want to say divine intervention, but it's I'll teach something and it lands. And then somewhere in my subconscious, it gets it gets really doing this. And so I will ask myself routinely about something I'm working really hard at. Do I really want to do this? So Hmm. what am I doing this for? What is the outcome? And if this goes well, is this going to be a good thing or a bad thing? So like that. You know, like just is is this really is this going to give me what I want? And so, what I did with my team, some of the people I I, pay, I don't have any employees necessarily on staff. I have a bunch of people that I pay retainers to to help me with different stuff and to listen to some of my BS and um, you know and to challenge my thoughts on. Um, and then I'm on a bunch of other people's, you know payrolls for the same thing, same reason. But the um, you know, I like to go back to what are in my best year with my business, when we sold it, we had three goals and we started every meeting with what our three goals were. And it was 25 mm-hmm. new clients, a million dollars of direct revenue and a, and a half million dollars of indirect revenue that came from people we were helping, you know, we kind of wholesaling out some stuff with them. And every meeting we started mm-hmm. with those three things. And the, bo- the most we ever had was seven new clients. And we wanted to get 25. Like we had this very ambitious goal. And yeah. at the end of the year, we only got 24. We didn't get 25. So you could say we failed. We got a million seven of direct revenue from our direct efforts. We got 50,000 from the wholesale. So we fa- we actually missed two, the one we only missed by a little bit. But yeah. we had our best year by a ton. And we canceled the entire wholesale business because it just it was a ton of work and time, but we didn't make any money. Um, but we had goals and we knew what they were. And we asked ourselves with every single topic in every meeting, which one of our three goals is this going to help us achieve? Or if we don't take this meeting, which one is it going to stop us from achieving? Mm-hmm. And if we couldn't answer it, we canceled the meeting. If it wasn't clear how this was going to help us, then we just, we just, we dumped it. And so for me, what am I trying to get to at the end of the day? And it's, it's things, things really have to be, are they intellectually stimulating to me? Like, will I, because I have a big brain, I've done a lot of things, and I don't find any joy in doing things that I've already, that I know how to do necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to do something again just because I've done it. That's just not how I'm wired. Some people are better at that. They want to do it a little bit faster, a little bit better, a little bit cheaper, and and they enjoy that. I I just don't. Um, so is it going to be intellectually stimulating? Is it going to be really impactful? Is it going to do a lot of good for a lot of people? Is this something that's actually going to Maybe I don't make a lot of, you know, maybe I don't make a lot of money. Maybe it isn't super intellectually stimulating, but it's going to have a huge impact on a lot of people. So if it has a lot of impact, if it has a lot of intellectual stimulation, or does it have a lot of returns? So some of it is, is it worth 
you know, could I, I try not to do things that are just for the money, but if it's mildly stimulating and impactful, but it's going to pay me really well too, then like, okay, that probably makes some sense. But yeah. the thing that doesn't pay me well, isn't intellectually stimulating and doesn't have a lot of impact. Well, what the hell am I wasting my time for? And so, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and those are, those are general things. And there's more specific things. If I want to speak, is this going to help me speak to, you know, do I have certain things I really want to do? Like I, if I want to be a college professor, I don't know, like once upon a time I wanted to do a TED talk, is this going to help me lead to getting a TED talk? And now I've done one and it went viral and it was, you know, it was wonderful. Um, so that thing's off the list. But if you have something on your list that you want to get done, two or three things, you want to buy a house, you want to buy a ski house in Banff, you want to get a boat, you want to buy your mother a house, you want to gift $50 million to some charity, whatever the things, those things are, are these things that you're doing going to get you closer to any of them? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, like I, for me, my health is one of the things I'm trying to make, which is why I'm I'm happy to be on this show too, is my physical health, mental health are intertwined. I want to be healthier. And um, so not going on the road to speak because it's a grind. I mean, I've done that for years, but being on the road, promoting a book to make it a New York Times bestseller, which is the one thing in publishing I haven't done, but, and I've done 17 books and success with a lot of them, but I haven't had the New York Times bestseller, but do I want to be on the road doing talks and signing books and just to get this thing that's only for me? Yeah, 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 for sure. No one has asked me, Hey, by the way, could you, like, I would be way more interested in in having you help me help my organization, help my charity, help my family. But I really need you to be a New York Times bestseller because that's, it's 100% an ego thing. But is it worth, is the ego boost worth the physical pain? And apparently to this date, it hasn't been. I can't say the next day, you know, if I get another offer from some publisher on my next book, you know, am I going to say no again? I don't know. But, Mm -hmm. you know, there's that, what am I really going to get out of this? And is it worth is it worth the trade-off? And this is what yeah. led to the wild factor, which you know we talked about a little earlier um, off air was what are the what are the trade-offs we make? And is there a pattern we have of sacrificing some parts of our life for other things? And if there is, can I do something to help create that head tilt, you know, to get people to realize what those patterns are so they can try and interrupt them? Well, I mean, and the other thing I'm hearing too is just you're con- like you're constantly coming back you know, the, the original example was those three goals with your business. And then there's, there's, but then there's personal as well. And, and just constantly coming back to essentially the questions I hear here are, who are you and who are you striving to become? Or where are we at the biz with the business and where are we striving to, to, to get it to? And then understanding if your habits and systems and actions, they either support that path or pu- are pushing you farther away. And your, um, your, Pathfinder, Pathfinder, right? Is that what it was? Yeah, Pathfinder um, document or that assessment, the quiz that that I, that I just did, and, and we're gonna we're gonna I'll drop a link in the show notes to this, and and Chris has graciously offered to um, provide a passcode behind the human to make it free for all of you. I mean, it's it's awesome in terms of identifying first, just to pause and check in and see where we're at from you know uh, where we're th- where we might be thriving, where, where the areas are that we need a little bit more work, what's important to us and so forth, and can kind of serve as, as like that compass, right? Or, or to check in like, okay, well, this is what I'm doing this month, this week, today, and so forth. Is it supporting these things or not? Right. Why don't you give a little context to how that came to be? Cause it's, yeah. I'll be honest at first, when you sent me the link, I, I fully expected to receive kind of a standard, here's the assessment, a little bit of information, and, and then uh, probably a couple links to your books and a course. But this thing is loaded with some really good practical information. So I really want people to do it because there's good stuff in there. Yeah, we, um, so I call it the, you know, we started, it started as the Pathfinder. We rebranded it as the Wild Factor. Okay. Um, there are five. So the context of it, one of the two of the things that happened after I sold my business and I started working with uh, Jack Canfield, two of the things that I learned, one was I learned a lot of his great stuff and in, in how can you connect with people without having to get to know them one on one? So what kind of questions do you ask and what's important? Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot of great stuff. He was super helpful. Um, 
and I went from being you know the smartest speaker to be and and probably very unrelatable to being very relatable. And sure. I I went and spoke to a bunch of salespeople, three four hundred of them with one of the insurance companies, and I was up in Chicago and. I had a guy who'd been doing this for 40 years say, I've been to thousands of talks. I've seen thousands of speakers at these conferences over the last you know, four decades, five decades. And he said, they all give me content. You're the first one who gave me context. Uh, and yeah. that was an aha moment, which was one of the high points of my speaking career. And I realized for me, Every talk I do, I start with the wow factor. And even if they say it's a hard stop, you only have 45 minutes, I still blow seven minutes in the beginning with everybody take the wow factor. Because, yeah. because then what happens is, okay, here are your, then people, you know, give me their scores and I, you know, they tell somebody next to them and I, I tabulate as best I can. And then what I say is if I'm doing the keynote, while you're at this conference, if your lowest score is health, for example, and you want that to be better, then don't just go to all of these meetings and hear all these ideas because you could do all of them or you, you could do any of them, but you can't do all of them. And what I would suggest is you ask yourself, is this speaker who's talking about this new sales idea, this new marketing approach, this new business development idea, this new integral vertical, whatever it is, is pursuing this going to make help me improve the areas of my life that I want to improve? Not just could I do it or would I like to be making the money that Mark's making doing a, doing a podcast? The question is, do I want the aggravation of creating and marketing and building a podcast? Does that get me closer to where I want to go? If my goal is to meet really interesting people, it's probably a great idea. If the goal is yeah. to have freedom and not have to, you know, or be able to travel all over the place and never have to stop and worry about whether I have reliable Wi-Fi, then it's probably a horrible idea. And so, right, I want to be on a boat in the South Pacific. It's probably a horrible idea to try and run a podcast from the South Pacific. So the, um, but at least ask yourself what this is. And so when I built the wild factor, it was this five areas of life, uh, health, finances, career or purpose, relationships and fun. And what's different about the wild factor from most personality tests is it's not a preference test. It's not what I'd rather be outdoors or what I'd rather be mm -hmm. working with people or what I'd rather be, because who cares what the preference is? It's not, sometimes you can't, I mean, if you're a firefighter and, you know, you may prefer to have eight hours of sleep, but when you're, you know, when you're on, if there's a call, there's a call, like wrong, wrong job for that. Yeah. But but it's more about behaviors. So this quiz is about how often do you sacrifice one area of your life for another? And, and it's you write the questions yourself and then it scores your life on 20 points in each of the five areas. So now you have things that are typically, money's easily quantified. How much did I make? How much did I save? How much did I invest? But do, do we get scores from our spouses, our significant others, our children on how well we're doing as a parent or as a spouse or a partner or lover or like it's not we're not getting you know there's no yelp for that so yeah we, you know we don't we we tend to work on the things that we can quantify we don't work on the things that are more are less quality are more qualitative and less quantitative so i give people a score because i'm a mathematician so you have something to strive for so if you're if you're a coach and you have people working for you and they working with you and they say at the end of the year i'm not sure i'm getting anything out of it and you say well your health was an eight out of 20 and your fun was a seven now you're a 14 and a 15. It sounds like you actually are pretty. It sounds like this has worked, mm -hmm. right? We've improved part of your life. So, you know, so I built this to help people identify where they're making sacrifices so they can, again, stop. So, you know, when Mark and we were talking and you had mentioned that money was, you know, that health was high, which is great because that's what you do for people. That makes sense to me. Yeah. But money wasn't as high then. The question is, before you do something that's going to cost you a lot of money, the question is just, is my advice would be stop and ask yourself, is this a healthy or an unhealthy thing? So mm. if you're spending money on, you know, something that's going to be a great, you know, a great trip because it's important to your mental health to take your kids and go skiing or do something else, then you can stop and go, yeah, it's expensive, but it's worth it. Okay. But just stop and ask yourself versus I spend on a whole lot of money and I'm, I'm giving it to my friend who doesn't have the money and wants to get engaged and wants to borrow 20 grand so we can buy an engagement ring. Like maybe you're not, 
maybe you're not responsible enough to get married if you can't afford the ring. And like, you know, so you yeah, don't want to yeah. have the conflict with your friends. So you put the relationship ahead of the money where you really wanted the 20 grand to invest in your business. So it, we're just, it's not, there's no absolutes that you have to do one thing or not do something else. But just since you know the score is lower, you just stop for a minute and ask, is this good or bad for the low score? If it's low, is it still worth it? Because this other thing is more important to me and I'm okay with it. The example I'd use is a, my best friend came out from LA. We had gone to Africa together. We'd gone to Alaska together. We had, and he was here for work. And I'm trying to be healthier, but he wanted to go out and get dinner and have a drink and hadn't seen him in a couple of years. So yeah, it was absolutely worth it. It wasn't mm -hmm. the healthiest thing, but what did I do that day? I had a salad for lunch. I worked out in the morning. You know, I did other things to say, okay, it's not perfect, but we can never be perfect. There's nothing, yeah. there's nothing in our life that we can do that's good for our career, makes us money, is is good for our health, is a lot of fun, and is great for all of our relationships. Because something that's great with our spouse might be bad for our kids. It might be good for a friend, bad for a parent. So there's nothing positive. And once you realize that everything we do is a trade-off with something else, the biggest takeaway from this wild factor in the Go Wild book and the Uncaged course and all the other stuff that I built with it is to just get people to realize you can never do everything. So stop trying, get rid of this FOMO BS, right? There's billions of people to follow. Stop watching what other people do because it doesn't matter. And realize that everything we do takes away from something else. So once you realize that you can't be perfect, you can start enjoying the fact that I went out to dinner with my buddy Lee and had a couple of drinks because I was having, because that was worth it. It was worth it to my mental health and it was more fun for me to do that than to beat myself up about the fact that, you know, I didn't eat, uh, you know, I didn't eat my plant-based meal and my lemon water for dinner. You know what I mean? Sure. But I mean, you, what I like about your work and, and especially the assessment and whatnot is just, at least, you know, right? Like that's the thing. It's like, you can make conscious decisions. And as long as you're checking in with yourself and have some sort of system to to do that again, to avoid falling into, you know, some sort of autopilot situation where then all of a sudden those, those choices that don't align with where you're trying to go become just, you know, part of background noise. That's when we get into trouble. Um, then at least if you have those check-ins and you have the data, the insight, and you can continue to track that and monitor it and, and take the assessment and so forth, it, it, that's not super complicated. You know, that's, that's doable. That's it practical. No, I mean, it, it took, I think it took me four minutes or something like that to, to fill out the, the, the assessment right. and spit out, you know, like I, I now have to sit down and really digest the information. Yeah, I was only 17, able to 17 pages of customized information. Well, of that, of that four of it's probably stock, but 13 pages of customized feedback based on you, how the animal fits you. Things that you can remember, right? Because if you're a dolphin, yeah. you think dolphins are smart. Smart. They have social, they have social um, environments in their pod. There are things that they can do. They can learn new tricks. They can. They're likable. You know, there's there, there's the visualization versus I'm a red or a blue or a seven or a nine. Things that people don't remember. Oh, so yeah. you know, oh, so it's easy to so many of those. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's awful. That's why I did it with the animals because you know, also as a kid, I watched nature shows with my dad and I. And we went yeah. to a photo safari with my father and my buddy Lee was the you know, the best trip of my life. And I've been to 50 countries and you know, that one was head and shoulders above all the other ones. And um, I just love nature and people generally and you know, generally like animals. Um, but you know, there's there's something to putting this thing out and making it worthwhile. And one of the model mottos we have internally with our uh kind of our marketing team is um that I mean they really like this a lot, which is we're going to continue to make sure that our free shit is way better than everybody else's paid shit. Mm -hmm. sure. And so the assessment is, I mean, there's something there. If you only did that and didn't buy the $20 book or didn't take the class or whatever, there's stuff in there that you will get an awareness, you will get ideas, you will get tips, and you will get links to other people's stuff, not stuff that I do, that could help you be on your merry way. And if, and if that gets you there, cool. Like I'm, you know, this is not, this isn't clickbait for, you know, a bunch of other crap. It's if you want further, you can go to Amazon and Bezos is going to get most of that money. I might get a couple bucks of it, Yeah, yeah. but it's, um, <laughs> but if that helps and you like it, the book is more of a workbook style too. So again, I'm, 
it's about trying to make it impactful, not make it not make it profitable. Because if it's impactful, I do believe the profit will all come. Sure. At some point, if you if you can successfully help people solve problems, avoid pain, um, have good experiences, live out their dreams, whatever that is, at some point, I'm just not too worried that that'll be profitable. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So, well, and again, I would I, just say, well, I, I would just say, even just answering the questions, again, taking the pause to answer those questions and reflect on them for uh, a couple seconds uh, is already a step in the right direction. And, and you're going to get something out of just that because I would willing to bet. I mean, I'm in this space, obviously, and, and do a lot of reflection and, and whatnot. And there's a lot that I didn't think about, even just with the questions that were there. And like, oh, that's interesting. Never thought about that. Never put those two things together and so forth. So um, we'll link that up in the show notes. Um, I do, Chris, I want to respect your time. We've, we've run over a little bit here and um, you've been gracious enough with your time tips and some of your, we've really just scratched the surface. I mean, we I had a ton of questions around your obsession with drafts and that whole uh, that whole ecosystem. But I mean, there's people can for sure find uh, some of that on, online, and maybe we'll have to do a part two at one point. So I do want to ask you kind of the final question is just around just like what 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 lights you up each day? Um, what lights me up? You know the the be the being the giraffe. <laughs> to me, that was one of those things that the brand is sticking and the giraffe is the only every mammal has seven vertebrae yet somehow the giraffe has this really long neck yeah. and every other mammal has evolved to protect its neck because the neck is what predators clamp down on to stop mm -hmm. you from breathing which makes you much easier to eat if you're not breathing and so whether you know you have porcupines have quills and turtles have shells and i know turtles aren't mammals but you know, turtles have shells and some amphibians and will will have a secretion on the back of the neck that's poisonous. Yeah. Other animals have the ability to climb a tree or burrow underground. Others get in these big herds. And so it looks like they're all, you know, there's this whole safety and numbers thing. Um, giraffes are giraffes evolved to have their necks grow longer to become more vulnerable. But as a result of being more vulnerable, they can see things others can't, and they're going to reach yeah. things others won't. So they're far more aware of what's going on. The head is not in the weeds. It's 18 feet off the ground surveying all the time. And that's part of your whole, you know, drive mark toward people being aware, right? Being aware and present and not mindlessly in the weeds, losing track of days, weeks, months, years of their life where they're just going through the motions, which is the single worst thing I can, you know, imagine for anybody is just mindlessly going through life. And so the giraffe has this visibility. It eats from trees. Trees have roots that are as deep as the tree is tall, so they can reach water in deserts. So giraffes can go places others can't. And so I like that whole freedom of not being stuck and not just going with the herd. And so yeah. And the more I dug into the the metaphor when it first struck me, whatever, five years ago, seven years ago, um, it really, it just the deeper I got and the more research I did, the more perfect it was and breaking free from the herd and having this freedom and seeing differently feeding differently there's just so many cool lessons in the be the draft course um like this is the book i've held back to be my new york times bestseller because it's that good and it's you know now it's written and it's just a matter of am i going to deploy it and control the content or as you know <laughs> sell it and then you have no control of the content ever again um it might just be too valuable to me you know, to, to let somebody else control the content. So, um, you know, to me, the lighting up is finding, it's finding a new path for somebody. So whether that path is a relationship path or a business path, it's usually a business or a financial path. How, how can I get from here to there and getting them to think, is the thing that you're doing actually going to get you where you want to go? And if it is, is it, is it going to give you the feedback you want? Or is it possible there's something else? And I just mm. love that that reconnecting and maybe somehow deep down it's to bring it full circle. It's the, the proxy for never getting my parents back together or, you know, whatever the thing is when I can find some, make some connection between people, between businesses, between customers and clients, employees and employers, whatever that is that to find that, that special thing, helping somebody with their logo, their write up, their motto, their tagline, their, 
like just something that encompasses it. To me, it it seems there's something so rewarding to me to find that path yeah. of what it is that gets them there. It just seems like you've cracked this super cool code and you've unlocked something, whether it's somebody's path to new clients or it's a different way of looking at life and being healthier or whatever the hell it is. I, I, I just love that moment when somebody sits back, oh my God, that's it. Like that's the logo. That's yeah. the title. I, I have, when they say, I have goosebumps. It's like, perfect. Stop here. <laughs> done. This is, and that's it. Cut. My work's done. Like cut. Like where this is cut, go to end. Now this is the season finale and we're going to yeah. pick this back up, in, you know, in six to eight months. And, uh, but you've done, this is, that's the moment you're looking for is the, wow, that was, that was super cool. So for me, finding that thing, it's just the puzzle of, aha. That yeah. gets me. I don't know. It just it seems like it seems like it seems like you found the meaning of life. You figured out something that you know. And sometimes it's I don't know. You know, it, it's I, I I just I love that moment of helping somebody find that thing. Yeah. Whatever you know that it's the piece that comes after the gaping mouth and the you know head tilt of oh my god that's it and it's really cool it's just i mean it's such a cool to be in the room and i've had a chance to do this 20 something times probably with people who've you know paid me to actually take them through stuff and we might have a day and at three hours and 47 minutes or at five hours and night you know there's a moment where we got it good now just stop and write everything with that and you know i'm gonna go to the airport and we'll you know or, <laughs> exactly. or, or, I'm, or, or we're at my house and it's like i'm gonna go get a cup of coffee and sit out back and you come find me when you're done but like we've done what we need to do. Now you need to just fill in the spots. And so I don't I love that answer, it. That answers your question, but that's my, that's my light yeah. up on, uh, you know, finding well, that secret path. I love how the light up really does come like full circle to, you know, how we open the show and it's, it's really just following again, that, that curiosity that you've never left and solving problems and going, you know, zigging when others are zagging. I mean, it's, it's, it really, it's really just continuing to evolve for you. And it's beautiful to see how that, that, that lights you up. And obviously the ripple effect of that work and what you're putting out into this world um, helps a lot of people. So, so I want to thank you for that. And also, of course, thank you for, you know, making the time to come on the show. And I have a funny feeling this is not the last time we'll be speaking, uh, whether on the show or, or professionally and personally as well. Um, I have a good feeling that there's, there's lots to be done together. So Thanks again, a lot Chris. Of fun. It was a real pleasure. Mark, it's been great. It's been wonderful. It's been wonderful to be on the show. Happy to come back and help any way I can. 